saddle up. He's going to spot up for three, lets it fly. Yes! It's time for the Brian Gregory Show on USF Bulls Unlimited. The Bulls are looking good. Men's basketball play-by-play man Jim Lighthall sits down with the head coach of the Bulls for all the inside info you need. I mean, does it get any better than that? Now with BG, here's Jim. Welcome back to another edition of the Brian Gregory Show. Jim Lighthall and the head coach himself sitting down for a little recap. A couple games played, coach. we got some games coming up, Christmas break, all that is ahead. But uh, I know the thing that's on your mind is you won three of your last four games. Yeah, we're playing better. As I said after the, the win against Charleston Southern, we're playing at a better pace, moving the ball better. Uh, guys are starting just to get comfortable in, in system uh, roles, parameters, playing within those parameters. We're in trouble anytime we go outside them, you know, which any team is. But when when you have – when you're working basically four new players into the system with Ryan playing extensive minutes in the three transfers, there, there's, some, there's some gap time there. You have to keep playing hard and defending and rebounding because where it shows up a little bit more is a little bit more on the offensive end. But – I'm pleased with where we're at. Um, I'm pleased with the progress. Um, I said mid-December we'd have a better feel. We have a better feel right now. So now we know what the three or four main challenges are that we need to really improve in. And if we can do that, then I think this team could play to their potential night in and night out. Like you said, this should not come as a surprise to you because before the season even started, you said there was going to be some time to feel this thing out, and that's exactly what's been happening. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, you know, that that that's just the way it is. It's going to be that way year in and year out. Um, if you can speed it up, all the better. Um, if you can figure out a way not to lose four games by 11 points, even better, you know what I mean? But we, we are where we're at because of how we've played, and so we're playing better. So we need to capitalize on that and continue to do that. Uh, we've had a good week of practice, um, and, and our guys are, are dialed in. we got a couple tough games before the conference year starts, a uh, tough environment coming up at Northern Iowa, uh, very, very uh, high-caliber team that will play in the postseason in Hofstra. Um, and then teams that have given us trouble, like like the Dartmouth and the NJITs, that can do some things, especially from the three, you know. And we've talked about that at length. And I thought our our game plan, but more importantly, the execution of that game plan by our guys in the Charleston Southern, another high level three point shooting team, showed us if we do it correctly, and the guys are are more than capable enough of doing that that we can defend at a, at a high rate, which then in turns, Jim, leads us to great transition offense. Uh, you really turn their water off from outside the arc. We'll get to that Charleston Southern game coming up in our next segment, as well as the UMass game. Uh, you've had a break from games, anyway, 10 days because of finals. Uh, tell me what's been going on during that time. Obviously, the kids are in class, but you've got recruiting and you've also got practice. Yeah, you know, and, and, and give them a couple days off because – um, you know, we had that stretch that we've talked about, the seven games in 18 days, and then a little more normal after that. But we needed a couple of days off and then to get ready for finals. Our guys have done, and historically over the last six seasons now, uh, have continued a trend of doing excellent in the classroom. We wanted them to finish strong. We got some guys like Russell Chua. He graduates. He's done. He's done. He'll start his master's degree in January. 
uh, Jameer Chaplin, uh, right on the verge of graduation, uh, Keyshawn Bryant, 10 credit hours left to graduate and earn a degree from the University of South Florida. So that was, that was critical. But then getting in the gym and getting in practice, good versus good, uh, competitive, tightening up some stuff that we do, putting in some new things, some new wrinkles, um, was really, really beneficial for us. And I think now it's time to go out there and, and, and start playing again. When guys get that diploma, they get the degree, I know you can hit a game-winning shot that gives you some temporary exultation, but when you get that piece of paper, that's three, four, five years worth of work. And I think sometimes at age 21, 22, they don't realize it until you get a little bit older. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, I'm pleased with the fact that even counting when we got the job in the spring of our first year, that senior class, so we've had seven graduating classes. Every senior has graduated. Every senior that was in this program has walked away with a degree from South Florida. At 22 or 23, maybe they don't really understand or can, can grasp the importance of where that is going to be and how important that's going to be down the road. But, you know, when you get someone like Russell, now he'll walk in May so his family can be here. It's just, it's a proud moment as a coach because we're older, Jim. We understand how important that is, and we understand how life-changing that is. And, and for a good part, of, a good amount of those guys that I've talked about over, they're the first person in their family to, to get those degrees. And all of them are going to have an opportunity to go play basketball somewhere here or overseas. But one day you got to move on to the, the next endeavor in your life, and they're well prepared for it. You mentioned Russell Chiwa. It's been an eventful last few months for him, obviously. First of all, his last three games on the court, he's averaging over 14 points a game, nearly six rebounds, an assist and a half. He's shooting 77% from the floor and 78% from the free throw line. He has really accelerated everything in the last couple of weeks. Not an excuse, but this is what he would have been doing earlier in the year if he didn't miss those three months, three and a half months. I think our patience has been good because we understood that. I think his patience was good, where he didn't get frustrated, where he didn't get out of sorts because he was a little bit out of rhythm, uh, maybe a little conditioning-wise, but just feel-wise. The most important thing for Russell is his feel, uh, understanding where the bodies are in terms of post moves, in terms of off the off passes and rebounding and different things like that but what we need him to do now is take what he's done the last three games and continue to build on that you know because he should be a 13 to 16 point a game guy we got to get to set just under seven rebounds we got to get that to nine to ten to eleven there's got to be a couple games jim coming up where he gets that double double where it's 16 and 11. one of the areas i think he can get better at is on the offensive rebounding end. And we've worked on his spacing to put him in a better position to use his size and strength. And watching some film and getting with him, he's shown that over the last few days in practice. So I'm very pleased with where he's at right now, but not satisfied. The off-season saga to get him back in this country uh, was well-documented. Is it something that that you guys and Russell look back on and can laugh now, or will you never laugh about that? I will never laugh about that because I missed him, and the team missed him. And it, it doesn't matter who you are. When you miss 
four months of college basketball training with our facilities and David Land, our strength and conditioning coach, the, the meals, the, the, the nutrition piece, uh, it, it's going to impact anybody. To be honest with you, when you're seven foot, 260 pounds, and the biggest thing for you is feel of the game, it's going to impact you even more. Um, but that's in the past. We attacked today, and I think Russell's done a good job of understanding that. Over that three-game window, your team is shooting just a whisker under 40% from three. Is that a coincidence? His emergence down low has opened things up on the perimeter. I think they're, 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 they definitely um, – one leads to the other, which leads to the other, which you hope continues the cycle. Um, I do think one of the things that has happened is we are driving the ball and getting the ball in the paint. So either post feeds to Russell – ball screen action with Russell, or just straight drives. And we're sharing the ball better. We're moving the ball better. And when guys don't have the ball, they're moving better. So guys, when a guy drives, if you just stand around and watch, there's nowhere to pass to. So the guy has to shoot. We're moving better. Um, and so I think that's the reason we're shooting better. And again, we don't call them bad shots. We have to eliminate tough shots. Unless it's under 10 on the shot clock, Eliminating tough shots is always going to increase your offensive efficiency, which I think we're making great strides in. Last time we talked, this university was looking for a new football coach. This university has a new football coach. Alex Golish takes over. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk with him. My question to you is you've been in that position where you take over. You're trying to hire a staff. You're trying to recruit. You're trying to implement a system, and you're shaking a lot of hands, kissing a lot of babies. How crazy is it for him right now? Well, I think first and foremost, as important as, as it's going to be, the shaking hands and kissing babies has to be at the bottom of the list. And people got to understand that because the most important thing is solidifying your staff and your and your players right now. Uh, and, and I just think that sometimes because of the, the significance of the hire, it's important that everybody keeps that in, pers in perspective because – he, he's got a – he can't get be pulled in all different directions. The most important thing is staff and players, staff and players. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, I look at his resume. I look at – he's a grinder. Started at the bottom, started as a GA, uh, worked his way to even get into a GA position. You know, he wasn't – a, a player at Ohio State. He was you know, all those, and there's nothing against that. But, but he's worked his way up, uh, as he said. He swept floors. He's cleaned garbage cans. He's done everything. You know what I mean? I like the fact. Again, I think one of the the best things that ever happened to me was starting as a graduate assistant and learning every job, no matter what it was. Cleaning the locker room, doing the laundry, cutting up film. As you progress then you never forget those things. And you realize that everything's important, and you, you transfer that to your staff. I think he's going to do a great job of that. He's got great energy, obviously. got uh, great pedigree in terms of the people he's worked for, the different jobs that he's held on both sides of the ball. That's very unique in football. Um, you know, and, and I just think – I think it's – one thing let, – uh, let's be transparent and honest. The Twitter world wasn't all that fired up to begin with, all right? That's the way it is nowadays. Mm -hmm. We just hired the offensive coordinator of the year in college football, okay, from uh, 
the number eight team in the country, that this guy started at the bottom, has got all the way up there. His work ethic and what he's done can't be questioned, all right? Great staff, high-quality players. We're going to turn this thing around, and it's going to be exciting to watch because I think he's the guy to get it done. Let's go back to Monday, November 29th. He had UMass in town uh, at the Yingling Center. This is a game that you kind of got down earlier, down 15 at the half, put up 42 points in the second half and really made a run at him. Yeah, I, I thought there was um, one six-minute stretch in the first half, 20 to 20. We get outscored by 15 to, to, the rest of the way, and then a two-minute stretch in the second half. Um, give them credit. Weldon's Levesque, their starting center, had not made a three in his career, hit two big ones against us. We didn't do a good enough job of capitalizing on the forced turnovers that we had, and we had some offensive breakdowns in terms of making the extra pass and, and playing at the pace we want, but understanding time and score. If you haven't scored two or three possessions in a row, it's time to get a really quality look. Maybe not the first open look, but to keep that ball moving, maybe get a good one. And I thought that was the, the, the difference in the game. Um, and then when we cut it to six, the, the four straight threes that they made on four possessions really, really hurt us. And that's a two-minute, ten-second stretch because out of those four possessions, we scored on, on three of them. But now a six-point game turns into, when you add 12 to that, even though we scored, they're back up by 13. And so instead of going into the final eight minutes of the game where it's a two-possession game, you're scratching and clawing because it's a 12-13 point game. And I thought that was the difference. Really the first time I can remember all year that you got loose with the basketball. You turned it over 17 times. I know you forced 20. I know you win the points off turnovers, but you don't want to give it away 17 no, times. No, no. We, we were sloppy on offense. We, you know, no other way to put it. Um, we took some undisciplined shots and we weren't as tight with the ball as, as you needed to be. And it reared its, its ugly head in some critical, critical times. Um, and so I think that was something that, you know, we, we discussed at length those next two days heading into the next game. Uh, you were down in the points in the paint, 26 to 10 at the half. You end up losing that category 36-34. It was one of those situations where it felt like you just kind of went back to basics and it worked. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we, we, were, we played much more discipline on def defense and on offense in that, in that second half. Uh, very rarely do our teams score 42 points and a half and lose a game. There was some bright spots, but not, not enough against a, you know, a team that is going to win 20-plus games this year. Bull shot 53% in the second half, but lost 73-67. Here's the way we called it on that Monday night. So Miguel out to Harris, long distance three. Good! He answers it. And 90 seconds in, the Bulls have their first bucket. Tyler Harris looks like a new player, or, or maybe an old player. He's making his threes. Levesque, three ball, misses, long rebound. Sam Hines has another rebound. Here come the Bulls in transition, passes left side. Conroll to the basket, up and under, move, foul, count it! The freshman challenged the UMass defense. He kept going to the basket. The harm comes and a chance for a three-point play. Wow, the freshman went to the hole with authority and draws the foul. Ryan Conwell continues to impress. Weeks fires it into the paint and it's stolen. Here's Harris back the other way. Three ball to counter. Sam Hines got the steal and Harris with his second three. That was one of those no, 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 yes <laughs> shots. I was wondering what's he doing shooting from that far out, but it went in. Dominguez on the run, throws up a left-handed shot off the window that misses and Russell Chiwell comes down with a rebound. 
Bulls on a 10-0 run. Sam Hines crossover to the basket. A lot of contact. Cross saves it in after he got the block. And here comes UMass back the other way. Boy, the Bulls are turning it over at a pretty high rate so far. Three turnovers officially. UMass has gone one for their last, or oh for their last seven from the floor. Here's Weeks on the left wing. Bulls in their man-to-man. Dominguez at the top, passes to Fernandes, and Harris closes on him quickly. Shot clock is down to eight. Weeks goes to the basket, off the window, good, and there's a foul on Ryan Conwell, and the coaching staff doesn't like that. Boy, the Bulls played great for about four minutes there, and the last half minute they turned it over and end up committing a foul. And it's volleyballed into the hands of Russell Chiwa. Bulls finally get a stop. 10-15 to go. Keyshawn Bryant to the basket. Finger roll is good. He snaked his way through the defense, and that stops a 13-0 run. Welcome back, Keyshawn Bryant, with a spectacular finger roll move inside and got the Bulls back on the board. Chaplin slashes in the paint. Cross court, man wide open. Keyshawn Bryant puts it on the floor. Round two guys off the window, and he runs over a guy. Joey had a wide open shot on the perimeter, and instead he takes it into contact and commits a foul. The Bulls are just making wrong decision after wrong decision right now. Four turnovers in the last two and a half minutes. Here's a pass nearly taken away by UMass. Out to Sam Hines. He's going to stop and pop from 16 straight on. That's good. And the Bulls needed that in the worst way. Kick out, three ball weeks. That one rattles out, and the fight for the rebound is controlled by Selton Miguel. Brian Gregory said, let's go, let's go. Miguel is going to drive down the paint, around a man, off the window and in. Tough angle, and boy, did he throw that in off the window hard. It's 19 to 18. Miguel loves that driving layup from the right side, that driving bank shot, and that one went in. Diggins going to fire a three. That's an air ball long and a rebound by Selton Miguel. Gets it to Tyler Harris. Bulls trying to run. It's a four on four. Here's Harris between the legs, behind the back. Stops and pops from 17. Yes, Tyler Harris putting all the repertoire moves out there, and the Bulls have taken the lead. UMass is leaving the door open yes. for the Bulls to come back. The Bulls so far are refusing to do it. Trey Moss in the game for USF. 12 minutes left to go, Bulls down 11. Corey Walker on the handle. Picks up his dribble, now to Selton Miguel. Baseline move, pushes off on Fernandez. Backdoor cut, Sam Hines catches it and laid it in. I think that was headed for Jameer Chaplin, and Hines cut in front of it and stuck it in. Steps through, jump hook left hand, didn't fall. Rebound, Selton Miguel on the backside. Here comes Selton, dribbles right down the paint. Euro steps, kicks it in the corner. Moss open for three, let's fly. Good! The sophomore from Windermere knocks that one down, and what a big shot that is, his first make from beyond the arc this year. Somehow the Bulls have got it down to six with Moss from the three-point to the on the right corner. He buries it. 8-0 run for the Bulls. Here's a three by UMass, and just like has happened all season long in this building, when the Bulls put together a big run, it's a three that gets the other team back in it. Corey Walker from straight down 15 feet. Couple dribbles, goes to work on Conte. Gets down to the block, ball fake. Here comes double teams. Cross-court pass, Sam Hines crosses over, gets into the paint, bounce pass to Walker. He's open, two-hand dunk. Sam, dribble penetration, laid it off for Walker, and he flushed it. 50-43, to 43, Bulls have scratched and clawed their way back in it. All right, here we go. Again, 50-43 UMass leads, 10-10 to go in this second half. Russell Chiwa back on the floor for USF, playing with three fouls. We'll keep an eye on that. Here's Luis to the free throw line, dumps a pass inside. This is Levesque. He got free, missed an easy layup down low. There's a box out on USF, and they're going to call the Bulls for the foul. Corey Walker did exactly what he's supposed to do. Drove the man out from underneath the basket, and he got whistled for it. Boy, if you can't do that on defense, you don't have a chance of keeping people off the glass. So Corey Walker and Chiwa now with three fouls each. 
Diggins looking to throw it in for UMass, finally does on the four count. Here's Luis, junior three ball, corner pocket, good. Boy, that is enormous. The Chiwa hands off to Keyshawn Bryant. Thought about the baseline move, stops and pops from 17 off the rim, backside rebound by UMass. Here come the Minutemen. Bulls still shooting 57% in the second half. Levesque straight on, is going to shoot another three. He hits another three. Had none this season. He's made two today. Left wide open at the top of the key. Now the Bulls will answer with a timeout, and you mass up by 13. All right, Coach, so you turn right around and play again on a Friday. I know you were concerned with Charleston Southern coming in because, as you talked about, you'd had some games where you gave up some big threes, and now the Buccaneers come in, and they live and die by the three. Yeah, and, and I watched their, their game against Virginia Tech where they have a three at the buzzer to win it. And I'm like, goodness gracious, what did we get ourselves into, <laughs> to be honest with you? Because we, you know, we lost a couple games early because we didn't defend the three well enough. And to be honest with you, you know, even with the offensive mishaps we had against UMass, I, I'm, you know me well enough, I still say your defense can win the game for you. You know, offense tells you by how many points. I thought our defense let us down in some critical spots from the three, our three-point defense in the UMass game. So now we go into this game, we got multiple guys shooting 35-plus from the three. They're shooting 30 a game, and I'm like, well, okay, we, 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 we're going to have to dig down. And to our guys' credit, they did exactly that. And I think the tone was set, I said it to after the game, uh, right before the game starts, huddling up with our staff before my last time talking to the team. And one of their guards is out, so, so they're going with a different lineup. Uh, and Harris, their leading scorer, who is coming off the bench, is now going to start. So we debate back and forth who we want to start on him. And to a man, my entire staff said, let's start Tyler on him. Let's pick him up full court, and let's challenge Tyler Harris. And let's see if we can get into Charleston Southern's Harris's legs a little bit. Uh, and it was the difference in the game. Not just because of what he did on him, Jim, but it set the tone for everybody else defensively. When you see our little pipsqueak out there running around, picking up full court, pressuring the ball, everybody else gets juiced up. And I thought it was a tremendous team effort, and our, my staff did a tremendous job of coming up with that alteration in the game plan, having, you know, be, be strict in the fundamentals and, and flexible in, in the concepts. Our, our staff did a great job. People talk about Tyler and him running a team and his three-point shooting and his scoring. Uh, he's got some sandpaper in him, too. Yeah, you know, you, you go back to the UAB, from the UAB game till today, he's shooting uh, just under 45% from the field, over 40 from the three. Uh, assisted turnovers, not as good as I would like, but his defense is picked up. And as we head into the remainder of December and we head into league play, we need him to set the tone on the defensive end. Now, his challenge is doing it every day in practice. So it becomes a habit, and he, takes, he needs to take great pride in the fact that he can be disruptive on the defensive end. And I like that about him, that he, he rose to that challenge. We just needed about 25 more times. What we really liked about Friday night was the 22 assists on 29 makes. You really shared the ball that night. We did, and... and, and uh, Selton Miguel doesn't play, and he's leading us in assists at almost two-to-one ratio. Uh, but our guys were dialed in. We made the extra pass. We attacked their ball screen coverage. 
where we stretched their big and able to throw it back and then make an extra pass or two. I thought we had some great drive and drop-offs to, to Russell as well. He's getting better at finding those open spots and not clogging the lane, which is critical for us. Um, but the unselfishness and the pace, it's always easier to attack the defense before they're completely set. That's why pace is important. As I, I've said, we're never going to be a rip-and-run team where we're just throwing it up and jacking up stuff all over the place. Um, but we want to be a team that plays fast-paced. And I thought we had a great mix of that in this game. Biggest statistical category in this game was a three-point shooting. You hold them to two for 18, so everything you did during the week worked. I think they started 0 for 12 or 0 for 13. And then you go 14 for 31. You tie the school record with the 14 makes. That record had stood for 31 years. It was the most ever made in the building uh, before. My question to you is uh, you missed the last three three-point attempts. Did you guys have any idea, uh, and I probably know the answer to this, but I, I like to ask, any idea that you were sitting on a potential school record, or do you ever have any idea through the years if someone, a player, or a team is sitting on a potential school record? So regarding this situation, no idea. Hey, you asked me how many threes we made. I, I didn't know we had made 14. Second part of that, I was not happy with the last three threes that we took because those were not within the offensive flow. Uh, if we would have taken one within it, we probably would have made it. So we would have had the record. Last part about this current team and those four, we're, we're a shooting team, Jim, man. <laughs> Just so the fans know we can light it up, you know. Uh, you took 31 threes, by the way. That's yeah. second most in school history. Yeah, but they were all, you know, uh, like I said, other than the last three, they were all good. And, and you got to – you got – we got confidence in our guys. If we take quality shots, and I know we shot it great there, but the two previous games, we, we're shooting the ball better. We're shooting the ball better. Um, so we got to take them when they're there, and we got the right guys got to take them, and it's got to be within the flow and, and, and different things like that. In the past, there have been situations, more so on an individual basis, where someone will come up to me and say, so-and-so needs a point or a rebound or an assist or – he needs one more three. I remember we had a game, one of our players needed one more three to break a, a record uh, for most threes in the game. So I ran a couple special plays for him to try to break it, and the sucker missed both of them. <laughs> wide, the most wide open shots he had the whole game. But so sometimes you, sometimes you know, um, you usually know if you got the game in hand and there's a record to be broken. Um, but, you know, it, those things do mean something. You know, let's be honest. You, you can go your whole life and say, hey, I, led, I set a school record for most threes in the game or most points or something like that. So I want guys, if they have opportunity and, and we're in a position to do it, to try to achieve that. But it is incredible with our, with our challenges that we've had shooting the ball that this team goes down with the most threes in a single game. Well, that game was in hand for sure. You were up 29 at one time. You end up winning the game 79-59 that Friday night at the Engling Center. Here's the way we called it. It was a lot of fun. Swinging around on the perimeter. Tyler Harris loads up a three right side. Yes, indeed. Tyler Harris gets his first, and the Bulls have an 8-6 lead. That shot was money in the right side of the circle. Tyler between the legs a couple times. Hesitation now picks up his dribble. Finds Sam Hines. 12 on the shot clock. Sam kicks it back out to Harris. He'll load up a three right side. Yes! Splash down for number two. He dials.
fills it up from long distance, and he's got six tonight. These players are going to need a little oxygen after this uh, little flurry. Harris finds Sorrell Smith, makes a ball fake. Back to Harris at the top, loads up a three. He's been good today. He's good again. He got another. Tyler Harris has three. Tyler about as hot as we've seen him in a USF uniform. Puts the Bulls up 18-14. Midway through the first half. The inbound. That was the sixth foul, by the way, on Charleston Southern. Harris, left side three. Yeah, he got another one. He's got four in the first half. Well, the Bulls have hiked this lead up to 15 points. Well, that stops their skid of one for their last nine, and it's back to a 10-point game. Harris on the far sideline with it. Appears to be moving just fine. Conwell, left wing, gets a high screen. Now to Harris. He's going to load up another long three. Oh, my goodness gracious. Tyler Harris, string music. He has missile lock right now. Somebody call the fire department. Russ on the dribble, goes into the paint. Tries to step through, kicks it in the corner. Five on the shot clock. Sorrell Smith launches a three. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. A high archer that scraped the ceiling. And Sorrell Smith hits nothing but the bottom of the net. Jim, the Bulls have made 12 three-point shots tonight. 12 of 23. That's 52.2%. What are we seeing here? Kelly with a miss who's back in the game, and Smith gets the rebound. Bulls looking to run. Trey Moss with 8-11 to go. Back to the top to Walker. Swings around to Keyshawn Bryant. He's going to fire a three. He's going to hit a three. Who wants one tonight? <laughs> 72 to 43. The Bulls are blowing out the Buccaneers. We've seen the Buccaneers get blown out in this town before, but not Charleston Southern. Ah. All right, those are the two games that we wanted to look at on this particular show. We have four games coming up, Coach. Let's preview those. We mentioned you've won three of your last four games. You go back to work on Monday night at Northern Iowa, McLeod Center, which is a very difficult place to play and against a team that has really had a lot of success through the years. Yeah, you're, you're talking about a you know Midwestern team with great pride, uh, average over 20 wins a game over the last 10 years, won the Missouri Valley Conference last year, uh, coach has been there a long time. He's right on the verge of becoming the all-time winningest coach in the Missouri Valley, which is pretty good when you consider some of the guys that have coached in that league. Had a tough loss the other night, didn't play well. This is a proud program. They're going to be ready to go on, on Monday night for sure. Dynamic guard in number 13, Born. I call him Born Identity or Born whatever, all those shows with Matt Dillon. He can go. He can go. He, he reminds me of Jelly at UAB. Same type of guard, can shoot from anywhere, but is great off the bounce, knows how to play, can score at all three levels. So we gotta do a great job. And they're tough, they're physical, they rebound well. Uh, they run an offense with a lot of movement, so our defense is gonna be really challenged. It's a great game for us because they're gonna end up in the top 75 in the, in the net rankings for sure. And it's just an uh, opportunity to go go to 30-degree weather, and figure out just how tough we are. Uh, they lost a lot from a year ago when they won 20 games. They're a young team, but the one thing I've noticed about them is they play with a ton of pride uh, for the name on the front of their jersey. There's probably seven or eight kids on this team, Coach, that have parents or brothers or sisters that attended or do attend Northern Iowa. These kids from around there, they want to go play there. Yeah, uh, Ben's done a great job of, of recruiting the state. And what's happened is, like, if you don't go to Iowa or Iowa State, you go to Northern Iowa. He's found his niche, and they're, they're good. I mean, he's had pros, you know, guys that turn into pros. Um, and so uh, I just thought it was, you know, 
in the non-conference scheduling when you do the home and homes, it is very difficult nowadays to get teams from the Power Five conferences to do the home and home, primarily because they just don't do many home and homes anymore. With the MTEs that they play in, with the conference challenges, the Big Ten, ACC, the Big East, SEC, all these different, the Gavit games, all these different things. And then the opportunities to play in different sites one game. Um, they just don't do a lot of home and homes anymore. So what we've decided, if we can't get those teams, which we still try, to get the top teams, the Northern Iowa's, the Hofstra's, those type of teams where we know that they're going to be a, a challenge to be successful against, but they're going to build your resume as well. You mentioned uh, that they won the Missouri Valley regular season. Uh, they got to the NIT. They didn't win their tournament. Uh, but again, 14-4 and four in that league, really good. We'll see them on Monday night up in Iowa. Friday, you do come back home to take on Dartmouth, the Big Green. They're 4-7. and seven. They play out of the Ivy League. Uh, they went 9-16 and 16 a year ago. The, the Ivy League has been such a crazy situation for the last couple of years because they wiped out an entire year. Right, right. So they got some older guys, but they're, they're young as well. Uh, one of our former GAs is an assistant there now. Well-coached team. They're going to run the, the Ivy League offense uh, with a lot of cutting, passing, uh, good shooting team. So we got to do a great job defensively. Our pace of play is going to be critical in that game. You turn right around on a Monday and play at home against the Hofstra Pride, who won 21 games a year ago. Just saw them in a, in a good game with Purdue a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, this team can really play. Yeah, they can play. And, and uh, Speedy Claxton is the head coach there, was a great player there. You know, just you know, tremendous pride in the program again. And uh, tough kids, great quickness at all four out of the five positions. So it's going to be a challenge for us. Uh, again, our, our pace – and us getting quality looks is going to be a key. And then again, you turn right around and play on a Thursday night at home against NJIT. The Highlanders kind of struggling right now. Uh, but listen, when they turned Division One a few years ago, they came in here and they beat the Bulls in a close game. Uh, this team is always very capable. Always. You know, there's good players everywhere now, you know. And, and one of the things that happens is you don't know where they're coming from, you know. So when we're doing the schedule in the spring, a lot of a lot of Schools, they, they still got four or five roster spots available. Um, they haven't played as well as I thought they would play. I thought that they would make a big jump this year with some of the guys that they were able to bring in. Uh, but like we talked about earlier in the show, they just haven't gelled the way I thought they would. Uh, now, again, they haven't played in a while. They're going to have a couple more weeks. So important for us to end the non-conference playing the game well. Right after that will be the Christmas break. You'll have seven days off over that holiday. What will you do during that time? Because you mentioned at Thanksgiving that you don't have a lot, big window to get away. This might be a chance for the kids to go home. Yeah, they're going to be able to get home right after the, the, the game on the 22nd. So they'll be home the 23rd, 24th, 25th. They have to come back on the 25th. So to be honest with you, for a college basketball player in this day and age, getting three and a half days off is, is big. We'll get them back here and get their get their get them going and, and hopefully you know get ready for the start of the American Conference. Yeah, it turns and and happens quickly. I mean, when you start playing conference games, there are teams playing conference games right now right. around the country, and this has kind of become a thing in the American where you're playing conference games that week before New Year's. Right, a lot of the team the you know, conferences that are playing the two conference games in December play 20 league games. There's talk about our league going to that. You know what I mean? Would you be in favor of it? There's there's positives to it. 
The the only negatives is just those two f- games that you get. If you're a team that's building, you, you do a one-way game. If you're a team that's solidified, then you can do some other quality games. And and most of those, as we just talked about, would be neutral site games against a BCS-type school. So there's plus and minuses in it. I think with us, our total membership going up by one, there's a possibility that there's going to be a greater push for that. And then we would play, you have to play two games in December in order to do that. All right, well, we'll get to those games when we get to them. As of right now, you don't play until that week before New Year's, and then uh, we'll probably do a show there at some point uh, after Christmas, and we'll recap these four games that we just talked about. Coach, always appreciate the time. Uh, You're rolling right now. Let's keep it going. You got it. Thanks, Jim. That's Bulls head coach Brian Gregory, and another edition of the Brian Gregory Show is in the books. Thanks for joining us on Bulls Unlimited. That is it. Thanks for listening to the Brian Gregory Show on USF Bulls Unlimited. We're your home for Bulls basketball, along with all sports at the University of South Florida. Yes! Yes, he did! Streaming 24-7 on the free TuneIn app. Yes. Keep up with our programming schedule on our Twitter page, at Bulls Unlimited. I don't understand that at all. Horns up. Chomping at the bit for the more award-winning radio shows.